and welcome to the Touch Tennis Podcast. Um, this week, as usual, we'll be joined by Luke. So, hello, Luke. How are you doing? Hi, Charlie. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, finally settled into to Australian life. Got my normal job back, which actually is um, obviously why we weren't recording the podcast last week. Now, we've been pretty on it this year, other than these past couple of weeks, but I think that's forgivable given given the current move that I've made. Um, but we we obviously did put out a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we also had some picks last week. Um, we haven't obviously discussed this, Luke, but do you happen to have a, a recap at all from, from some of the bits we've put out? Yes, uh, I do, which I'll, uh, I'll just go through now. So as Charlie said, we uh, our last podcast was not last week, but the week before, um, which discussed the events in Rotterdam, Buenos Aires and Dallas. Um, we picked some... Um, some accumulators there. Um, mine missed out by one leg. Um, Charlie's missed out by two legs, but one of them was was the same as mine. Um, so, yeah, two, two units lost there. Um, and then last week we didn't um, weren't able to put out a podcast, but we did put out a uh, just an accumulator at the start of the week, uh, which was also unsuccessful, sadly. Um, so overall for the picks for the last sort of two weeks that um, have happened, we have won nine, but lost four. Um, but then moving on to the wild cards of um, of two weeks ago, there's a lot of unsuccessful ones. I think the, the, the most was um, probably my wild card of Del Potro, which was a, a bit sad to see. A pick that we all said was going to lose first round. Yeah, and uh, the the haters were were right on this occasion, sadly. Um, so that lost. Um, I also went for Nakashima, who who didn't uh, who lost Ramos Vinolas and um, her cash as well. Uh, Charlie went for um, his wild card was actually a treble, and I think every leg of that treble lost, so we won't uh, discuss that any further. Um, you, tr- you try and have a bit of fun on this podcast, and it just backfires. I'm just going to be boring for a minute. Well, I, I tried to have fun with my Del Potro pick, and little that got me. Um, so, yeah, and you went for Fritz, who lost, but you got Rude right uh, at 10-3 as the winner of Buenos Aires, so that's five units of profit. And you also... Got uh, Auger Aliassime to win Rotterdam, correct? So that is uh, 9.75 units of profit there. So overall for the last uh, last two weeks, we are up 5.75 units. I'm just saying I am single-handedly carrying us with outright wins for the, for the year. But but I'll, I'll, I'll let you, you catch up with me, Luke. That's okay. Um, but anyway, um, thank you for that. So... Obviously, we've had a good start to the year overall. I think there's only one week where we made a loss, and that was only by about 0.02 of uh, a unit. So uh, I, I think pretty much breaking even or profit every week is, is where we want to be. And that's what we're doing, and that's what we're giving to you. Um, this week, we have a uh, it's a bit of one of those funny weeks, actually, where although the events are relatively high caliber, big names, um, they're across an array of surfaces, which is obviously interesting. Um, I believe we're still over in the clay in uh, Santiago in Chile. 
Um, we have uh, an outdoor hard event over in Dubai. Um, and we have a uh, another hard event down in Acapulco. And I believe Dubai normally plays relatively fast, if memory serves, and Acapulco plays almost like a clay court, which is why players like Nadal um, have had such great success there over the years. Um, so so it's interesting. Two, two varying speeds of hard court and a clay court. So we've got the whole spectrum, really. Um, and that, that lends us to, to a really interesting week. Um, now, obviously, uh, last week was, was kind of predictable, I felt anyway. Um, another strong, strong performance from Felix. I think he's really settled in. Um, nice to see Riblev back and winning. He's, he's been a real miss this year until last week. Sitsipas um, finally not winning in Marseille. Um, uh, trumped by, by Roman Safulin, who's obviously had a great start to the year, the Russian. Um, so there's a few notable performances. Um, uh, Alcaraz obviously winning in Rio. That was great to see. Nori getting his first title over in Delray. Uh, not first title, sorry. Uh, first title of the year. Third title overall. So they're kind of my obvious kind of highlights for the week. Um, was there anyone who stood out to you, Luke? Um, no, not really. I was just going to say that the same things um, as you, really. Nice to see Rublev um, getting his, his season off and running. It'll be interesting to see whether you can build on that and be a, a, a big factor on, on the tour in these uh, upcoming weeks, particularly in the, the Masters events coming up in, in March. Um, and yeah, nice nice to see Norrie getting over his uh, mini slump, if you will, at the start of the year and uh, getting getting the title over in Delray. Yeah, obviously we didn't put out a podcast last week, but um, I think we did have like a brief discussion about Norrie actually, separate to this. Um, and I think I did actually say that I had a feeling that this would be where he kind of starts and that I knew he'd had a, a bad start to the season, but uh, it was understandable. The ATP Cup was tough and then he had Seb Corder at the Aussie. It wasn't like he was losing to absolute nobodies. Um, and then obviously he's found his feet a little bit and he, he's found a bit of a rhythm now, which is great to see. So hopefully British tennis might be back in a decent place if Evans can can carry on his form as well. Uh, disappointing to see Murray actually was one thing that did stand out. He got obviously Bautista was playing at very high level, but that's kind of an embarrassing result for somebody like Murray, who who you'd at least expect to take him close. So perhaps we're coming to the end of him. I, I've kind of been in denial about this, but maybe this is kind of his his time to to bow out. I don't know. Um, I love watching it play, so I'm never going to say that, but it's it's something to consider at this point. I, I don't know your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, Murray's results have been pretty up and down for a while now. He's He seems to, you know, almost do, do better against the big names and take them close and, and get a few wins um, and then lose to, you know, some, some of the lesser-known names. But obviously this... Yeah. Well, this time he's he's obviously got absolutely was it like love and one or something against Batista Goot, which is as you say is is a bit embarrassing. As, well, as exactly good as Batista what, Goot is, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was just going to say that he did used to take the big names close and struggle against the lesser names as well. But that's that's a kind of it's a big name. I would say Batista Goot just about, but it's that's not even close. That's <laughs> that's destruction. Like that's the kind of thing you see down at your local club when when your club pro takes on 
I don't know, some, some guys played tennis twice. Like it's it's not not ideal. A professional player should be holding serve three, four times a set, not not once in a match. Like it's just not it's not good enough really. Um anyway, that's that's just my take on that week. So so moving on then, we we've obviously got um as I said before, Dubai, Santiago, um, and Acapulco. Um and we've as usual, we've put together an accumulator, a few outrights for each event, and uh, a wildcard pick for the week. Obviously, for those who haven't listened before, um, wildcard is something that we don't think is going to come in, but has an outside chance, normally at quite long odds. Um, outright is just who we think is going to win each event. Strictly speaking, it's not necessarily who we think is going to win, but it's kind of the value pick, if you will. So it's like if Djokovic was like one to six, we wouldn't bother suggesting that, but we'd, we'd pick something worth selecting for a bet. Um, so no hate if your your outright doesn't actually win. They they are sometimes a little bit extra, um, and uh, obviously anything else, any notable matches that we want to discuss. So that's probably the place to start. Is there anything that y- you wanted to talk through, Luke, before we go into our accumulators, or do you want to just get the ball rolling? Um, I don't know. There's a, cu- a couple of matches, I guess. Um... Tickling Dubai, one that interested me was um, Karen Kachanov against Alex Dimonor in round one. I think that's quite interesting. Um, Kachanov comes in a slight favourite. I think it's eight to 13. Um, and Dimonor's five to four underdog. Um, last time I saw Kachanov play was in Rotterdam against Poprin. Um, and I thought he was really poor. Um, just, you know, la- la- lacking real consistency. I-, I don't even think Poprin played that well. He, he, Poprin obviously has, you know, extreme quality, but it doesn't um, it doesn't come out enough or consistently enough in matches, which is why he's not, you know, he's he's languishing around the hundred mark and he's not top fifty or maybe higher. And yeah, I, I don't think he even played that well, but he he managed to get the win against Kachanov. Um, so I, I think if if Kachanov puts that level of performance in again, then he's he's in trouble against someone like Dimonor, especially given as you said, Dubai's. Is is on the quicker side of um, of the the hardcore events on on the tour, um, so I think I I actually think Demon will win there. I think five to four is a decent uh, decent odds there. What, what do you think? Uh, yeah, no, I I actually looked at that match and considered it myself. Um, it's one I don't like touching. I find Kachanov very hard to analyze. Um, I think the matchup is bad for Kachanov. I, I do have to agree. Um, because he big wind up uh, very very strange technique on the forehand really in comparison to a lot of the guys, um, and I think Demonor will make him play that one more ball, which when your technique can break down, um, obviously you can really get in someone's head with that, uh, and also Demonor loves the quick courts, so I would agree it probably is value there, but not one that I'm necessarily picking myself. Um, and on that note, um, I think we'll we'll roll over straight into into my accumulator. Now, the matches that I'm actually interested in discussing are actually in my accumulator, so I'll just give a little bit of insight into into why they might be interesting as well. Um, what one match that I'm kind of going to kick straight off with is actually Andy Murray. Um, I know I've just berated the guy, but I do think he's value. I think the fact that he lost Love and One has kind of pushed his odds on the the right side of value. Um, he's got Christopher O'Connell, uh, somebody who, when you actually break the match down, is a very similar game style to Andy Murray. 
um, very happy to build and construct the point off both forehand and backhand wings, but he's not going to blister through you at pace. Uh, very rarely does he sort of absolutely flatten out on the ball and his serve is kind of uh, mid to fast. It, it's kind of, it's not going to hurt you, especially not when you're a returner like Murray. Um, and I think the return is where the, the big difference comes in. Christopher O'Connell is is okay. Um, I think his return stats are, are not horrendously bad, but Murray's are, are a class above. And I think when we're looking at who is going to be the person who will be able to construct the points better at the big moments, because we are going to see extended rallies there, Murray's the one. So Christopher O'Connell, the Australian, uh, I don't think he's going to win that. And I think Murray at, at four to nine is is actually a, a good pick. Um, I've got uh, Taylor Fritz to beat Manorino. Taylor Fritz is someone I've been so impressed with this year. I know I sound like a broken record here. Uh, the American is playing seriously good stuff. Um, his backhand has improved no end, so I, I'm really, really pleased to see him hitting through it and uh, and kind of using it as a weapon more than just a, a kind of blocking force now. Um, he's always had a big serve and a big forehand, and he's always moved quite well for somebody who's uh, at least a relative stature. Um, but against Manorino, the Frenchman, uh, Manorino's going to give him kind of junk balls. He's going to mix up the angles. Uh, he has a very flat kind of counterpunch style as well. Um, but I, I think Fritz is, is playing too well. He's going to hit through the guy. Um, and uh, I think the serve is a big difference there as well. Although Manorino can get some really nice angles with the lefty serve, because um, obviously he is a left-hander. Um, Fritz will just have too much firepower, I think. I think we'll see one or two breaks of, of Manorino's serve, but I'd be surprised to see Manorino getting too close to breaking Fritz on, on a number of occasions. So I think Fritz is, is tasty value there at, um, at two to five. Um, I've gone a little bit risky here, and I know I've said before never to go for or against um, Rindanech because he is just so dangerous. But Bautista Agu is in crazy form in this part of the world. Uh, this part of the year, this part of the world, he, he loves it. Um, kind of moderate, quick, fast hardcore, uh, I think it's, it's his cup of tea. Um, Rindanech, I think if he obviously if he serves well, Bautista Agu is going to struggle. That's that's a, a shoe in But um, I do think that if Bautista Agu can get the return back in play, I think that almost, it's not a counter-punching style because Bautista does like being aggressive. Um, but I think the ability to kind of redirect at pace against someone like Rindanech who doesn't move very well, that must be said. Um, I think will hurt uh, hurt the Frenchman. I think Bautista Agu has to be seen as good value there um, at four to nine. Um, I've gone for uh, over in uh, Acapulco now. Actually, um, I've gone for Berrettini to beat Tommy Paul. Um, I think that's a dreadful matchup for for Tommy Paul. I must say, um, and the Berrettini's at four to eleven. Uh, Berrettini, big wind up, big forehand, big serve, moves very well for a big man. Um, also one of the most attractive men on tour, no homo, but that aside. Um, actually, so is Tommy Paul. Wow, what an attractive match. Um, but uh, sorry, I'm getting lost there. Um, yes, yeah, so uh, Berrettini's going to hit through the guy. Uh, I think Berrettini struggles. I say he struggles when it's fast. He's really good on grass as well. But I think he would struggle when somebody's a bigger hitter and it's a faster surface. But Acapulco plays like a clay court. He's going to have all the time in the world to do what he wants with the ball. And uh, Tommy Paul, uh, he's never been his biggest fan. He will make Berrettini win points, but even even his good retrieval skills aren't going to be enough to to sort of prevent Berrettini from dictating on that forehand. 
And Berrettini's a class of player that that's just going to eat that for breakfast. I'd be very surprised if he loses that. Um, and uh, I, I've got uh, Davi Goffin. Um, now, this is actually going to be my tips of pass of the week as well, because uh, it does come in at evens. OK, so I, I'm being a bit boring in doing that again. Um, but I think he's great value here to beat uh, Taro Daniel. Uh, last showing for Goffin uh, was another loss. Um, OK, it was um, he's actually on a bit of a losing streak, it must be said. Um, but it was um, it was over in Doha. Um, it was only sort of four or five days ago. And it was against Rusabori, who's actually been playing some relatively good stuff, the, the Finnish player. Um, and uh, Goffin took a set there. He started to look as if he was returning back to a level, at least vaguely near what we would expect from him. Granted, still a long way off the pace, but I think against a challenger player like Tara Daniel, somebody who has no weapons, Goffin's going to have a lot of time to, to sort of redirect and, and sort of construct points and hopefully get his eye in a little bit. I think this is a great first match for him. I think if you ever, I know, let's, right, we always say look at form as one of the main things to consider. Take form out of this because Goffin is a different kind of player. It's like trying to say Djokovic hasn't played in three months, will he win? Well, of course he's going to win. It's Djokovic. Granted, Goffin isn't Djokovic, and he has had some bad results. But I, I think once he's able to play his way in, we might start to see Goffin back on a good level. Injury, obviously, is a slight concern, but I really think he he must be coming back to that sort of level of feeling comfortable on a court. Rusevori, as I say, good player, good form, took a set off him. Tara Daniel, he's actually in good form, don't get me wrong. Um, beating Murray at the Aussie Open, lost last week to Murray, but um, he's just not going to be able to hurt Goffin. And therefore, I think Goffin at evens is my my tip of the week. I think that is is really good value. Um, so that's that's my accumulator now. So um, I will I'll hand back over to you, Luke, to go through your accumulator and maybe give me some feedback on some of the stuff I went through there. Um, but that whole um, uh, accumulator there comes to six point nine seven to one. So almost seven to one, which I think is remarkable value, really. For for a, I'm not going to call it safe because it's not safe, but it's only a fivefold, and I I'd be surprised to see most of those uh, go the wrong way. So so I think that's good. But I'll hand over to you, Luke. Uh, yeah, open up your your thoughts on that, and then then we'll go through our our next. Yeah, no, I uh, I like a lot of what you said. Um, we have a, a few of the same matches, which I'll get into in a bit. Um, I've just realised that when I was doing my recap, I forgot to talk about um, the tips of passes of two weeks ago. Um, so I'll just do that quickly. Uh, it, it doesn't come into the overall sort of win-loss units, but it's, it's just a bit of fun, I guess. Uh, mine was, I had Nakashima to beat Milman, I think it was in straights, which did come in. So that takes me to two wins, two losses for the season. Um and Charlie went for Tabilo to beat Martinez, I think, um, which lost. So that takes you to one win and three losses for the season. Um, Jack didn't pick anything. Um, so he's still on zero wins and three losses for the season. But I do have something for him this week, uh, which I'll get into in a bit. Oh, that's good. I was about to call Jack a fraud. <laughs> um, well, he's not here, so maybe justified. But anyway, so my accumulator, I also have Berrettini to beat Paul at two to five in Acapulco. As you say, I just think he's got too much for Paul. Um, I don't think he's going to 
Paul's going to get too many break chances. Um, but I think Berrettini's got enough quality on the return to generate chances of his own, particularly in these um, relatively slow conditions. Um, and I think there's the the conditions will also allow Berrettini to to run around his back end and get that forehand into play, um, which is is you know one of the biggest forehands in the world at the moment. Really, it's it's very dangerous. Um, so yeah, I think Berrettini will be fine there. Um, I've also gone for Taylor Fritz to beat Manorino and Acapulco. I've actually been very impressed with Manorino at the start of the season, um, but the the tournaments where he's done well all uh, all quite fast conditions like the Aussie Open, for example. Um, and it's these fast conditions where he's thrived throughout throughout the course of his career. Um, but in these slow conditions, I, I just don't think he's going to do as well. Um, he doesn't have a very good record here. He's won four, lost eight. Um, and all his wins were against qualifiers and, and wild cards. Um, one of these was actually <laughs> against Taylor Fritz in 2017. But Fritz is a, a totally different caliber of player now um actually i just think he's he's gonna have a really good year um made, made his um second week of a slam for the first time at the aussie open i, th- I think he um could go even deeper at, at, um at any of the slams really coming up um so yeah i think i just think he's, he's much better suited to the, the slow conditions um i just think he's going to dominate the rallies with that forehand um and it, as you say his backhand's improved a lot so um, I don't see Fritz losing that. I've also got Batista Gu to beat Rindanich at two to five in Dubai. Um, as you say, his record in this sort of Middle Eastern swing, if you like, in, in Doha and Dubai is ridiculous. Um, in Doha, he's won 16, lost two, um, won it in 2018 and 2022. Uh, and here in Dubai, he's won 13, lost eight, um, and won the event in 2018. Um, Whilst, whilst he went deep last week, obviously winning the event, um, he had a bye, so only played four matches. He only dropped one set. Uh, and he's he's just a very a very fit player, so I don't see fatigue being an issue. I think the final also was on Saturday. Um, so he's had day off Sunday. He's not playing today on Monday. So, yeah, fatigue won't be an issue. Um, yeah, as, as you say, I think Batista, he should be able to make enough returns and sort of Rush Rindanesh a bit on on his ground strokes and exploit that um, that lack of movement, as you said, and, and draw errors. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it'll be fine here at two to five. And the last match I've got is over in Santiago on the clay, and that is Hamid uh, Munar to beat um, Daniel Elahi Galan at two to three. Um, they're both they both play their best tennis on the clay courts. They're both pretty consistent from the back of the court. But I'd say Munar is just slightly more so, especially at the moment. Um, Galan, he did beat Munar a few weeks ago um, in three sets. Um, but Munar's um, done quite done all right since then. He's been Echeverry, then uh, took Schwartzman to two tie breaks, um, and then took a set of Alcaraz last week um, in the first round of Rio, who obviously went on to to win the title. Um, and yeah, he, he seems to have developed a bit more weaponry um, recently, which I think will will help him here. Um, so I think he'll win that. So, I can't stand um, the I I cannot stand the kid. Like he's just so he's everything I hate about clay tennis. Like he's got no weapons. He stands about eight foot back. He's just got an annoying face as well. Like he's just I hate him. I hate the guy. 
Okay. Well, um, yeah, he won't annoy me if, if he wins this match. Um, let's put it that way. So my accumulator is um, Berrettini at two to five, Fritz at four to nine, Batista Gut at two to five, and Munar at two to three. Um, so that fourfold is uh, three point seven two to one. So decent odds there. Um, my tips of pass is Berrettini to beat Paul in straights um, in Acapulco. And Jack's tips of pass is John Isner to beat Fernando Vadasco in straights, also in Acapulco. Uh, sorry, who, who to beat Vadasco? Uh, John Isner. Oh, right. Yeah, that's that's probably going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree with that. Um yeah, Vadasco sucks. Um, okay, so so that brings us on to the outright, and I'll just uh, I'm getting harassed in here by some sort of flying insect in this room, and given the neck of the woods that I'm in, I do not trust it. Um, yeah, don't move to Australia, guys. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I went outside, and there was a, a possum running along the uh, the telephone pylon. That was about half an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, a giant rat. Um, anyway, uh, so on to the outrights. Um, now, I I know we've done really well with the outrights. I'm not sure this week's going to be so good. There's a lot of names on every list here who I think could win. I've tried to be at least semi-clever with my picks. Um, you're going to hate me for it, but um, uh, over in Acapulco, I believe it is, um, Alexander Zverev will be my pick at 11-4. Um, this is the one that's probably less. I'm smart. stunned. I can't <laughs> believe you've gone for him. I know it's, it seems like I'm a bloody broken record every time he's in a draw sheet, but I do just seriously think, especially he's had good success here in Acapulco before Zero Paz. He's made a couple of finals. I think he's won it once. Um, I could be wrong there, but I think he has. Um, and um, oh yeah, I think he I think he won the singles and the doubles, didn't he? He definitely won the doubles with Misha. Uh, I think you might be right, but he's he's the defending champion. Yeah, he won it last year. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, he's he's done well at this event in the past. I think these sort of slow hard courts that kind of play like clay courts are kind of where he's at his best. Um, and uh, I think as long as he's playing at a level that's kind of similar-ish to where he's been at for for kind of other than the Australian Open where he had that blip against Chapeau, um, he's looked remarkably good in in most of his kind of tournaments. He lost to a public that was inspired. I don't think there's any shame in that, really, um, to, to lose over in um, Montpellier the other week. So I think, yeah, there's some big names in that draw. You've got, you got the likes of Medvedev kicking around um, and uh, and obviously Nadal, Tsitsipas. <laughs> uh, there's, there's big names in there. But I but I do back uh, Zverev against most of these guys. He's kryptonite to Nadal. And uh, Medvedev, I think, will struggle if, if Zara puts out a serving performance that we know he can. Um, so that's uh, Acapulco. Um, Dubai is difficult because we've not actually got the odds. Um, but I had a quick look at the halves of the draw. And obviously, top half, you don't want to go there because it's got Djokovic in it, quite honestly. Uh, he would obviously be my pick to win the event. So so let's go each way on someone in the bottom half. Um my eyes, I don't know what the odds are, but are immediately drawn to Herkash, which is somebody who's underperformed this year. Um, but I think we're just waiting on a, a week where he really comes into his own. And um, I think this might be the one. Uh, I, I've had a look at his draw and it's 
got Riblev in his half, but it's it's not really at least started. Let me just go through what he's he's got. Tough match in Bublik, but I mean, in theory, Bublik could just hand that to him. I think Herkash is someone who will make it tough for Bublik as well. Probably put one too many balls in play and just make him a bit fed up. Um, then he'll probably have, um, I would imagine, Lloyd Harris over van der Zanschop. Uh, again, that's kind of kryptonite for Harris, somebody who's a, a decent returner, but also isn't going to drop serve. Um, then after that, we've probably got Sinner. Now, that is a tough one. It's always tough to call. Sinner's been playing really well. Um, but Herkash, again, poses problems for these kind of guys who uh, hit really, really big um, because he doesn't drop all that many points behind serve. And um, equally, he puts the ball nice and deep in kind of tough spots on the court and makes makes extra balls. So it's like how he beat him in Miami. Herkash just made him over press. So there's no reason he wouldn't win that. And then obviously, he's just got to get past Rublev. Um which is easier said than done, don't get me wrong, especially given how Riblev played last week. But um, I don't know what the odds are, but I have to imagine they'd be good on him uh, for, for kind of the title, given, firstly, Djokovic is in the draw, and secondly, you probably wouldn't have him as definite favourite for his half. So that's kind of my logic there for, for Herkash. Um, and then, obviously, we've got... I don't even want to look at... I don't want to watch any of this event. I think anyone on this draw sheet could win it, quite honestly. Um, my outright in Santiago, and I hate myself for this, is Christian Garin at 11 to 2. Um, his class on clay is better than anyone else in this draw sheet, quite frankly. Um, he's second favourite behind Ramesh Vanoash at 5 to 1. Garin has been terrible. I don't know what's going on with him, whether it's an injury or something. Um, but I mean, he got, what was it, two in love against Federico Correa? That has to be a one off, surely. Um, and playing at home in Chile, this this has to be where he turns it on. If it's not, I think he might actually be done. <laughs> but um, he would be my outright here. I'm looking down the draw sheet. Ramash Venoash, Gary, Martinez, Baez, Correa, Dabonis, Ketmanovic, Tabio, Serendolo, Munar. There's so many names on here who are just a bit meh, a bit average. And um, therefore, I see my wild card as being uh, an outright this week of Alejandro Tabio. Now, he's he's played really well this season. He played well in the ATP Cup, I felt. Uh, he played really well in the last few weeks on the clay. Um, he he won that title, didn't he? I think it was. Did he win the title? He did, didn't he? No, he lost in the final. Was that to Ramesh Venoash? To Yeah, it was yeah. called Ibrio. Yeah, okay, sorry. Um, but he he had a ridiculous week, beat, beat Schwartzman. And we know that he can beat these guys. So uh, 14 to 1, um, that, that's really good odds. Now, I have to admit, I've not actually looked at his position in the draw, so I am just going to quickly do that now, just before I hand over. Um, my logic is there's no one in that draw who's really a big threat to him, so it doesn't really matter where he is. That's why I haven't looked. But um, I obviously would be, would be keen to know whether or not he's in the Green's half, I suppose. He, he is not in Green's half. He's in the other half. Um, his... Actually, is he? where is he? I can't see him. Oh, there he is, he is in Green's half. Green. Yeah, he, he is in Green's half. Sorry, yeah. He's uh, actually Green's first. Yeah, he... He, his second round would be Green. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so, I thought 
world. So yeah, so that's not great. But um, I think, well, I suppose having one as my outright and one as my wildcard guarantees that one's going through to the quarters. Um, but um, yeah, there's not. They're not really what about Renzo Oh God, Renzo! I mean, he is just crap now. Pardon, I'm sorry for the the crude word, but he, he he's awful. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, you've got Holger Rune. Uh, you've got a challenger player in uh, Puccinelli de Almeida, who shouldn't be overlooked, I should add. He's got very, very good game, but he is kind of a classic play quarter. Uh, well, the new breed of play quarter, I should say, the ones who just rip it. Um, I think Rune will destroy him. Um, Sechinato and Kekmanovic. I don't think either of those are going to cause too many waves this week. Pedro Martinez, he's been a bit hit and miss as well. Munyar could cause problems in this half, I suppose, but I don't see it. Um, and then Yannick Hampman is the only other guy in this, this half of the draw who I think playing at his best could challenge most of these guys. Um, so, yeah, I see I see those two as the big names in this half of the draw. I really do. And then obviously you've got Ramage Fernandes, who's immensely experienced on the other half. So um, that's my, my outright. So I've obviously gone for... Um, Herkash, I've gone for Zverev, I've gone for Garin, and I've gone for my wild card as um, uh, Tabia at 14 to 1. All right, so I'll hand back over to Luke now to go through his. Yeah, that's fair enough. I um, I did consider Zverev for Acapulco because I think I think the conditions should really suit him. It's sort of slow, hardcore. I think, as you said, it's where he's he's at his most dangerous, but. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not really 100% sure where he's at at the moment. Um, so for Acapulco, I've gone for Sitsipas uh, at 11-2. to two. Um, After a bit of a lacklustre second half of the year, it seems like he's almost back to his best again. Um, made the semis at the Aussie Open, um, got to the final in Rotterdam. Um, I think he was, he was beaten by an inspired Felix, really, um, who's, who's been inspired Um throughout the course of this year so far. Um, he got to the final last year, uh, losing to Zverev in three sets, I think. Um, it, it seems like he's hitting his backhand a lot cleaner than than he was. Um, his forehand's always always been a massive weapon, but I think the, the backhand is going to make him even tougher to beat this week. Um, so he's my pick there. In Dubai, I've gone for someone in the opposite half to Djokovic. Like you, I've gone for Yannick Sinner at 15-2. to two. Um, I just think he, he's got the firepower to beat anyone. He did well at the Aussie Open. Um, I think he's one of the few people in the draw that, um, over best of three in particular, can take it to Djokovic um, and, and causing problems. Um, in Santiago, I've gone for Tabil actually as as my um, outright. Um, I yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with Garin at the moment, um, and I actually think it's a good thing that Tabilo would play Garin in Garin's first match. Um, I think it's better to place, um, I think it would be better to play him earlier than say in, in the semis or the final or something where he's, you know, he's got some matches under his belt and he's got a bit of confidence. Um, home event for Tabilo as well. So if he, if he gets past Garin, then he'll have, have the crowd on his side and he's, he's, he's playing really well. I mean, I think he's, he does have the, he's going to be tough to break behind serve. Um, and I think he's he's got the firepower to take it to anyone in this in this field because it, it's not a particularly 
strong field. Um, so yeah, he's my outright at 14 to 1. Um, and my wild card, um, I mentioned him earlier, said he, he loves this time of year. Um, Roberto Bautista Agu at 28 to 1, which I think is very high. Um, yeah, bloody hell. I didn't, he, I didn't see, well, obviously, I didn't see any of the. Um, Dubai odds that was part of the problem with my selection but um yeah that is that's mental um I mean if I'd seen that that may well have been mine as well actually um just out of curiosity do you happen to know what her cash is no I I don't I'm afraid I um yeah I, I looked at them last night but they're not they're not available at the moment because I think uh I think plays underway for the day yeah it is um I think Vesely's getting destroyed or something currently um, but yeah, no, wow. I think he's winning actually. Is he? Oh, he's a set down one. I looked earlier. Let me have a look. Um, uh, he, he won in straight, so I don't know what scoring system you've used. Well, what the hell? It's Chilich. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh my god. I, I, thought, Chil- been... I thought Chilich would win that. that. I thought Chilich would win my accumulator. It was going to be in mine until I saw it was in play. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there you go. Bullet dodged. Yeah, bloody hell. Right, um, anyway, yeah, uh, that's ridiculous value on Bautista Agu. I'll shut up now. Yes. Um, so, yeah, as, as I said, his, his record in this part of the world is is ridiculous. He won Doha and Dubai back-to-back in 2018. He's already won Doha this year, so, you know, by that logic, he's going to win Dubai this year. Um, he would have Djokovic in the quarterfinals, but... That actually doesn't really bother me because um, he's he causes him so many problems in the past. It seems to be a matchup that Djokovic really doesn't like. I'm, I'm not really sure why. Maybe it's just I don't know he's, he's he's just very hard to to hit through Batista Gut when he's at his best. He always seems to raise his level to an insanely high level when whenever he plays Djokovic. Um, you know he can really hurt you with his with his flat forehand. Um, he's won three out of the last seven meetings with Djokovic, which is is a pretty damn good record. Yeah, um, so I'm just I'm just going to jump in here as well and say that I, I think the reason that Djokovic struggles so much against Bautista Agu is um, because and and I've seen this a few times like the kind of really bizarre match between Monfils and Djokovic, where Monfils just started junk balling. Uh, Djokovic, he didn't know what to do with it. Um, Djokovic likes being firstly on the back foot. He does like defending. That doesn't mean he can't attack, but it's that's where he prefers to be. He prefers to be absorbing pace and then stepping forward. Uh, Batista Rigu doesn't really let you do that. He just kind of keeps a steady pace. One, one type of ball off both wings, quite flat and quite deep. So it doesn't really allow Djokovic the, the opportunity to kind of, not counterpunch, but but kind of dig deep and then take play on the uh, the short because you don't really get one so against Bautista Gu you have to kind of step in and really play aggressive off the front foot to get that kind of short ball from him because um, otherwise Bautista Gu is more than happy to kind of just say look I'll wait here all day until you give me something to attack on um, which is normally what Djokovic would do and that's where the, it kind of breaks down for him because it's kind of like in a weird sort of way under 14s tennis where if you get two kids who just hack, God knows who's going to win. I know it's obviously a completely different type of game style, but um, if you have two people who play the same kind of way at a high level, when it's not kind of front foot tennis, it's very, very hard to pick a winner. And therefore, 
I wouldn't necessarily always favour Djokovic in that match. Well, I probably would, but I not as much as I should do because of that factor where he doesn't know what to do against him. And if he does start stepping forward and having to really dominate on the front foot, he doesn't want to do it. He, he doesn't feel comfortable there and he makes more errors than he should do against a normal opponent. That's how I think that match plays out. Yeah, no, I think there's, there's a lot of truth in what you've said there. Um, and similar to the my logic with Tabilo, he's, he's playing in early, which I think um, could be an advantage. I mean, Djokovic has got Musetti in the first round and then either Kachinov or Dimonor in the second round. And then probably Batista Gu in the quarters, who I'd argue is a, especially in these conditions, is a, is a step up from uh, from those two and, and given the form he's in. And I think 20, 28 to 1 is a, is a ridiculous price, frankly. Um, so, yeah, just to recap, Acapulco, I've gone for Sitsapas at 11 to 2. Dubai, I've gone for Sinner at 15 to 2. Santiago, I've gone for Tabilo at 14 to 1. And my wild card is Batista Gu at 28 to 1 in Dubai. Uh, yep, yeah, sorry, I couldn't find the meat bump there. Uh, yep, yeah, awesome. So, so I actually like most of those, to be honest. Um, and yeah, I, I think we're, we're in, our accumulators are dangerously close to being exactly the same, which is a recipe for disaster. Um, I can't wait for none of them to come in. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think that it's, that it's a pretty good week lined up here. I'm, I'm excited to maybe watch some of the tennis tomorrow, actually. Um, I don't know how much my time zones will overlap with some of the matches, but, um, Santiago probably shouldn't be too different. It'll probably be early morning for me. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed I might get to watch some over here. Acapulco as well. Yeah, yeah. That's usually, that's usually like midnight here, so. This might not be a bad, a bad set of time zones for me to follow, actually, so I might be able to at least give some insight come next week or on the Twitter, perhaps. Um, but speaking of, please do give our Twitter a follow at Serving Up Clutch. Um, and I think that kind of rounds it off for, for this week. So so thank you, Luke, for, for all your kind of insight and, and recap and whatnot and for joining me today. Thank you, Charlie. No, that's all right. Um, we do obviously have the website. We've been a bit lax on any sort of articles. I do have to apologize. Um, again, that's that's more so just because it's been quite a big life change moving to down under. <laughs> I haven't really found the time to do too much. So um, we'll, we'll get back on that at some point. So please do keep on, on top of the, the website as well, um, www.servingupclutch.com. Um, and yeah, keep posted on the Twitter. We'll, we'll be with you again next week to sort of summarize how this all went and, to, and to, to come up with some more tips for the week following. So thank you very much for listening and we'll be with you next week. Bye-bye.